You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. One. Thursday edition of Locked On NBA. We have counted all of the votes, and the verdict is in. Ben Golliver of the Washington Post National NBA columnist joins us because he always does on Thursday. And Ben, I'm naming you president of the NBA. How's that? Well, uh, Locke, I can project that sounds awesome. I love it. Let's do it. All right. And now, are you projecting all of your ballots or only part of your ballots? (laughs) No, I'm projecting full 100% happiness, confidence, excitement at my new role here. I feel like I've got some pretty innovative ideas. Okay, honestly, some of them you probably have heard before. But I do think I I tried to make my picks here in terms of what I want to do with my agenda uh, with the idea that this upcoming season is going to be different, right? I mean, we're looking at possibly 72 games, the delayed start in December, um, you know, trying to get the schedule back on track, probably no all-star weekend. So I'm trying to take into account what the NBA is facing right now, as opposed to just pie in the sky, crazy ideas, if that makes sense. All right. I've got pie in the sky, crazy ideas. We're going to go back and forth on today's daily edition of locked on NBA discussing the things we would do if we were president of the NBA. Ben Golliver, you get to go first. Well, anyone who's heard us talk for the last couple of years, Locke is not going to be surprised by this one, but I think it's the perfect year to implement the top 16 teams reach the playoffs regardless of conference. You'll remember Adam Silver's long ago quote has always been, uh, well, the reason why we can't, you know, get rid of the conferences in the playoffs is uh, because of travel restrictions rather than tradition. In other words, he was open to the innovation. I think now is the time to do it. It's going to be a different travel year already because there's going to be fewer games because they're trying to do the, uh, the baseball style series into different uh you know, into different markets uh, where you're playing multiple games in a row. And there's also the possibility, it sounded like, you know, from some of the reporting that they could look at some sort of a bubble setup if they eventually get to the playoffs to just try to, like, ease the risk of the coronavirus during that particular period of the season. So if that's how it's going to be, you might as well make sure you got your, your best 16 teams in that field. And when I look at the Western Conference again, I don't know how you're feeling, but I have 12, 13 teams with a shot to make the playoffs in a typical eight-team bracket for that conference. So uh, when you're getting Steph Curry back, when you're getting some of these other teams loaded up, when you're having Houston fall back into the mix where, to me, they might make it, they might not, I think this is the year where, you know, you could just take the top 16 and, and be in a better spot, uh, you know, with all apologies due to probably the, you know, the six, seven, and eight seed in the Eastern Conference. There's just going to be some younger teams on that Western bracket that I'd rather see in the playoffs. That's my number one fix. All right, by the way, we should actually have everybody vote afterwards at Ben Golliver and at Lockdown Sports for which presidential candidate you're going to uh, (laughs) elect between the two of us. But the first thing that's different about this is you and I are actually going to find ourselves in somewhat of a unified here. So we're, we're not this... We're not 89% blue and 92% red in different <laughs> categories of our map here because my I actually have two things that have to happen here. But one of my rules as president of the NBA, no more conferences, only divisions. Oh. But the end result of it is the same. There's a lot of pieces to that, like what that does for me. Like get the one of the big mistakes the league made was when they went to in they reduced divisions. You got rid of regional rivalries. And to your point, 
dividing by playoff conference is awful. So my platform has no conferences, only divisions. Now, there's some other pieces in this puzzle, and I'll get to them in a minute or two, but that's one of my key pieces. And then the division winners, in which there happen to be eight divisions, we'll get to that in a moment, uh, all advance to the playoffs, and then the eight next best teams advance to the playoffs. Wild, 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 wild. You're blowing my mind. Um, how would you arrange the matchups once you got to the playoffs? Uh, probably seated by record, though the schedule of my now. I guess am I? I guess I am going to have to announce platform position number two. Is that okay? Please go for it. We're going to 32 teams. We're adding Seattle and Vancouver. Oh boy! See now you're just pandering, Lock. Come on, you're gonna you're gonna throw it out to a Twitter vote, and you're gonna give us two amazing cities with extra teams. Yeah, okay, I might vote be voting at for your, uh, on your platform already. That's right. So I've gone to 32 teams. By the way, adding two expansion teams to the West also will help the imbalance of good teams and bad teams. I am then taking that you are playing the majority of your games inside. You're probably playing each of your divisional opponents maybe six times, maybe even eight times instead. And then you're dispersed across the other seven pods so that maybe actually some years you go to New York twice if you're a West Coast team, but you're not only going to New York once. The idea is if a player ever spends you know all of his time in one season, in one city ever again, he at least goes to other cities more. But that's... You know, if you just kind of if you play your those other pods ten times, that's forty games, and then you play inside your division a bunch of times, you can get that done. So you play it or you work it in some way. But I want the divisional rivalries back. You could do four divisions of eight, but I'd rather do eight divisions of four. Well, it's fascinating. I mean, I, I think that I would want to make sure that the biggest stars got to hit every market every season. That would be important to me. I think that with such a focus on the top five, top eight guys in the league. If there was ever a season or a format which denied a particular market a trip to be able to see a guy or, you know, to deny that team just not showing up ever in that market, I think I would try to avoid that if at all possible. I think that's part of the reason why, you know, load management becomes such a big deal as a talking point because, you know, fans feel like they're missing out on their only shot to see, to see someone. But I like where you're going with the regional rivalries, playing that up for sure. I think that, um, you know, it, the, the ideal version of what this would look like would sort of be what we have next year with the Pacific Division, where you're looking at potentially three really good teams with the Lakers, Clippers, and Warriors. And I feel like those teams could play six times each against each other in a year, and I don't think people would really get fatigued by that, would they? They would start to analyze it almost as if it was a playoff series uh, within, uh, you know, within the regular season. You know, you just, you know, more fodder. You get to see more adjustments, more head-to-head matchups between stars. I could see that being really fun. See? Even my opponent. It's like a Utah gubernatorial race. Everyone gets (laughs) along and is happy here in NBA presidency world. All right, what is your platform position number two after I agreed with number one? Well, number two, I'm looking at this idea of the Supermax and how it kind of boxes in some of the small market teams. And I think the Supermax has had some success stories, right? Like, Damian Lillard staying in Portland. That's a win for the Supermax, right? Um, uh, James Harden re-upping in Houston multiple times. That's a win for the Supermax. Oklahoma City 
keeping uh, Westbrook when they did. That's a win for the Supermax. I mean, th- those are kind of important things that the league would want to have happen as they try to make sh- every fan base feel like they're invested, they have a shot at competing. Maybe those teams didn't go on to win a title, but at least they were relevant in the mix and able to make kind of other moves around their main star to kind of put them in a good position. I just feel like uh, the difference between the max money and the super max, which actually gets paid to the player, I don't think that money should count against your cap. I think we should just sort of like the player gets paid that, but the team doesn't get charged that. So that we don't get stuck in a situation where you're just kind of a one-man team and, and you're struggling to kind of get pieces around that guy. Or if you do bring on a second star like a C.J. McCollum or a Russell Westbrook in Houston, it just so limits your ability to fill out your rotation. So I want to make sure that the players are remain incentivized to stay in their home markets uh, with an extra financial benefit, but that the teams don't necessarily get punished for that in terms of their flexibility. What do you think? I don't know. I really like it. What happens in a political campaign when your opponent presents an idea (laughs) that you might think is better than your next platform position. Well, I think you should, you know, uh, know, get your take off and let the people decide. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I really, really like it. Like I had never thought of it and it, it, it's good for everyone. in. I got to give you credit. It's good for everyone involved. The player gets their money. The team keeps their player. The team's not punished for keeping their player. It keeps players in their cities. Like it's a big. The only it doesn't. The only negative would be is it doesn't save the team. Like if a team's really actually trying to get out of paying that because they just want to save money, they actually don't do that. But that's fine. Like that's fine. Then they don't pay it. Like I love it. It has one. Well, one, one other thing yeah. it could do. One other thing it could help you do is avoid a luxury tax situation too, right? Where like you know you're potentially you have to pay that supermax money, and then you already have some other pieces around them, and so now you're not only paying that extra difference on the supermax, but you're getting charged for it with the luxury tax, and so you're you know it's almost like three dollars to one or four dollars to one, depending on where your payroll is. So you know it have some just kind of recurring benefits because ultimately we're talking about a lot of smaller market owners just don't have the same types of pockets and TV deals that the big market owners does. Maybe this could kind of help narrow that gap just a little bit. I love it. It's got a major flaw and that I will address in my next platform piece. Another one of these candidates out there that only cares about the big corporations and the big market (laughs) teams. He's got no love for you. Little person. That's why, well, not little people, but little Market fans, we're, we're, I clearly would not be very good without a teleprompter. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar, though, and I can tell you about how good that is. The Built Bar, have you, Ben Golliver, 20% off with lockdown. You can reorder. Plus, the new maple pecan and the new pumpkin chocolate chip are available. Special limited release right now at Built Bar. Ben Golliver, I believe you told me your favorite was peanut butter brownie. Is that right? Am I right on that? That's right. That's right. I feel like they have multiple different peanut butter flavors. If peanut I'm butter mistaken. and peanut butter all... brownie. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they're both great. They're both great. Others have liked German chocolate cake. Others have liked carrot cake with walnut. I haven't had any of those because they all have nuts. But I can vouch for the orange. Surprisingly, I'll admit it. I didn't think the orange was going to be good. It was really good. And the salted caramel and the coconut. The Built Bar, the amazing flavors and the incredible macros. 120 calories fewer than the leading men's uh, protein bar. You also have two and a half fat grams, which is down three point two times that of the leading men's. 
Your carbs, four instead of 38. Sugar, four instead of 21. And protein, up seven grams. It's incredible. It's BuiltBar.com, and the promo code is locked on, and you get 20% off of the promo code locked on. So do it now at BuiltBar.com. Josh Lloyd's Locked On Fantasy Basketball is doing the most incredible draft coverage. Uh, today, he had another guest on. He had Sean and Cody of Draft Dummies on, and they talked about de- three players. Yesterday, he had Derek Murray on from uh, Babcock Hoops, talked about three players. Day before that, he had Spencer Perlman from the Stepion on, talked about three players. Then he had the great Brad Roland of Locked On Hawks and broke down three players. It's incredible. I'm going on a 12-hour drive, and I've just downloaded all of them so that I can catch up on every single player in the NBA draft. Really cool stuff going on by Josh Lloyd at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. All right, your proposal for the Supermax is great. And I actually tip my hat to you, but there's only one problem with it. The max contract. Oh, you're just going to get rid of it? I am getting rid of the entire max contract. Because what the max contract does for the NBA is an advantage to large market teams. The only way a small market team could actually compete fairly with the Miamis and the LAs and the New Yorks if they weren't incompetent in the world would be to actually pay a player more money and decide that if I have a super chance to get LeBron James, I'm willing to give him $60 million of my cap space and I'll build around him. But the fact that the Lakers are capped on what they have to pay LeBron allows not only that the star will always go to the biggest market when the money is the same everywhere he's shopping, but then allows them to build a team around him. Instead, LeBron and the free market that I believe in here as a candidate should be able to pull as much money as he should. Why should the greatest in the world be limited in their economic earning? I don't see any CEOs out there turning down every dollar they can get. Why should NBA players have to do it? So I think that the distribution of wealth inequality that is crippling America should also cripple the NBA. He says with his tongue permanently <laughs> planted in his cheek. And so LeBron James, Anthony Davis, you probably can't have them both. We distribute the, the talent better. The player, the elite players make more money. And frankly, you know what? LeBron doesn't get paid enough. And the guy making $9 million is probably getting paid too much because the league's about LeBron. And nobody's actually really tuning in to see the mid-level exception player. So pay LeBron, pay D, pay Giannis. But that distributes them around the league, gives small market teams a chance to pay more to keep them or to get them, and then the league's got more balance, and it's a better league. No max contract. It only helps the big market teams, and I believe in the rural vote. I want my red at 87% in rural because I am giving and respecting the small market teams by eliminating the max contract. So... Play this out. So let's say LeBron. How much is LeBron going to make in with no max contract? Well, if you're Utah or San Antonio or someplace he'd never consider going, maybe you offer him 65. Okay, so let's say he gets 65. Now, are you still operating under your normal cap environment? Sure, or absolutely. are we getting rid of the cap too? No, no, no. Cap, luxury tax, all still in place. Okay. Uh, well, that would be fascinating. Could you see a situation where a player makes a lot more than 65? Like yeah. I could see a situation where 
LeBron's making like a hundred and all of his teammates are making, you know, 20. What's <laughs> Mil- like what would Milwaukee pay Giannis to keep him away from going to Golden State or Miami? Yeah, I mean, probably 80% of their salary cap, you know? And why Maybe shouldn't? Maybe more. Maybe why 95%. Shouldn't, why shouldn't he get every cent that he deserves? No, I hear you. I mean, I think the, the argument against it would be that he deserves it. However, if he gets all of it, it would cripple his team's ability to be competitive. You'd be stranding a player. And, you know, it would it would just wipe out the middle class of, of players. You would have a cascading effect where every team would have to, every star would feel their team has to treat them like that. And so you would get guys like, you know, the John walls of the world, you know, back before his injury where are they really max players or not? But now the going rate for the, you know, an elite point guard is 65 million. So the wizards feel compelled to have to give that to their guy too. I don't know. I would, I would worry about the trickle down there from team to team. It also would make GMs really work. I think it would make analytics become more important in the sense of what a player's value truly is to your franchise. And I think it would push players to maybe not take every dollar they could possibly get. I could tell you who would win. Um, You know, guys like me and Kevin Pelton, when we used to do the grade, the deals for every single free agent, there'd be a lot more, uh, (laughs) a lot more room for, for grading. Right. Because right now it's like, if a guy's a star and he gets a max, okay, obvious, you know, good job. Hey, you know, you're It's undervalued. Like you're describing for a lot of these star players. So there's like not really much to say. Now, if you've got a, say a drew holiday and he's getting $55 million or something like that, all of a sudden, okay, we can break out the red pen and have some fun. Right. I also think the one that's important on this is you actually, you would have a very hard time putting a team together with multiple big salary players, which would allow, I think the game to be better because every, almost every team would have one. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm I'm saying. I think I I feel like it would go out. Whoever the alpha is on his team would wind up getting like half the salary cap and all of his teammates would have to fight for the rest. And you could see some situations where that could get damaging. Um, just whether if that guy is not the guy or if he gets injured, you know, teams would be really, uh, you know, really leveraged onto one player. All right. Can I give you a pandering uh, take of my own? Yes. By the way, would you build a team with, if you have $140 million, would you build a team of seven twenty million million players or one $70 million player? Depends on who that guy is, but if it's one of the top five guys, I would pay him $70 million. Okay. Just was wondering. All right. Yeah. Pander. This one is for everybody. This is a populist take, all right? Um, we really got to fix League Pass, don't we? We just got to overhaul it from scratch. I feel like they've been doing minor updates to it every year. I feel like it's still not nearly good enough for a league with such a young um, fan base. To me, it's just frustrating for a lot of different reasons. Logging in, constantly asking me for my credentials, no matter how many times I do it. I get blackouts for certain games, even if I'm on the road. Uh, you know, there's sometimes certain games aren't available in the app or on NBA TV. You know, they don't have the ESPN games and the, the TNT games built into their app. I want like down and this could be down the road for the next collective bargaining or next, uh, you know, media rights deal. I want just like a universal NBA app, any game, any channel, doesn't matter where it is, doesn't matter where I am. I don't even really care how much this costs, even if there's a premium to it. I just want an all-in-one, super easy place. I want a uh, completely overhauled a user experience, make it much more intuitive, much cleaner than it is currently. 
Um, I want the multiple camera angles, which they've experimented with, like on the TNT app and some of the other apps. I just want it brought into the 21st century. I just feel like it's lagging behind, you know, other comparable products. And, um, you know, I think for a league like the NBA, where, you know, so much of the focus is digital, so much of it is about social media content, young audience and everything else, like the viewership experience is really important. Keeping people watching games for as long as possible is really important. And I feel like you've mentioned before to me, your daughter, she'll just never watch a, you know, a full NBA game. I think that the current league pass product is basically throwing away her hope, like of ever getting her hooked in. Can we get a better upgraded bells and whistles league pass? That's just cleaner, easier, simpler, and has any game she could ever want to watch. And maybe she could just pick it up with a, you know, pick it up, pick games up in the fourth quarter, watch the end, that kind of thing. Um, I would like to, uh, you know, pitch her on that as opposed to the current product. I feel like I might be able to get her attention. You might. You're pandering. I'm impressed by it, though. Um, can I, <laughs> can, uh, since we are going to be whoever wins our election for president of the NBA, a vote at, at Locked On Sports for me or at Ben Golliver for him, and then we'll tell each other the total of our votes. We'll actually just count our own votes and be fine with it. Um, so the only thing I'd like to add, if your government wins, is that the even more archaic but never talked about concept in the NBA is the fact that the radio call is restricted to a 30-mile geo target around the arena. Oh, yeah, get rid of that. I, I'm bringing you in, Ashley. You're part of my all-NBA experience. Like, if I'm watching a jazz game, I can listen to you. Doesn't matter where I am, anywhere in the world. The better part is like there's like anybody can go on the internet and just like call the game they're watching anywhere they want. But if you actually work for the team, have the access, and you have the team rights, they restrict your your radio broadcast so that if you're 30 miles away from the arena, the fan can't get it without buying audio league pass, which you can't find on the app anywhere. So other than that, I'm all good with it. All right. The platform has been set. So far, Ben Golliver has gotten rid of the uh, Supermax portion of the contract counting his luxury tax. He's fixed league pass, and he's gotten rid of conferences. The lock platform has expanded to Seattle and Vancouver, only goes with the divisions, and has gotten rid of the max contract entirely. Now... I'll come back with my next most radical thing for the league when we continue. It is Locked on NBA. I'm David Locke. He's Ben Golliver. It's your daily NBA podcast covering all the news and events that are taking place and today just revolutionizing the league. Chad Ford's NBA Big Board is back up and rolling and Brad Rowland's Locked on Hawks is a great draft coverage spot as well for you. He had uh, Jonathan Wasserman on of Bleacher Report today on Locked on Hawks. All right, this one's a little interesting, but it goes back to my first platform of expanding and then starting. And so I you, this is probably a little bit Adam Silvery soccer-ish. There's a lot of elements to this again. But I want the Barcelona Cup, the Rome Cup, the London Cup, the Paris Cup, probably the Moscow Cup if we ever have relations, maybe the Beijing Cup, but eight international... That was a joke. Eight international <laughs> locations in which four teams go every year 
to start the season. We've talked about all this stuff about not wanting to compete with football and this and that. So let's not compete with football. Let's send all 32 teams abroad to start the year and have them play a tournament that actually counts for games or maybe it doesn't count the standings, but you can win the Paris Cup or whatever. There's two ways to do this. You can either have eight locations or four locations. The winners of the divisions all come back for the kickoff event that's in Las Vegas, which is a single elimination tournament for the championship of this event. Love it. I proposed something similar a couple years ago. It wasn't quite as complicated as what you're describing. I think what I wanted to do was take the previous year's division winners, throw them into essentially have them qualify for the global games, you know, that they currently play with like Mexico city and London, and then kind of make it. So they almost played like a round Robin. And then whoever had the best combined, like they basically their um, head to head matchups for the regular season. were going to be tagged as the global games and whoever had the best record uh, among those games would get to be viewed as like the global games champion and get a little trophy for that year. Uh, maybe just try to find a way to, you know, beef up what they were doing currently take a small half step forward. But I think um, the success of the play-in tournament is going to encourage the NBA to experiment on some of this stuff. It sounds like they're trying to bring that back uh, for this upcoming season. And once they're able to travel again, once COVID is done, I think there should be a lot of emphasis on reconnecting with the international fan base. I think it's really important, um, actually with with domestic fan bases as well, for, for fans who can't go see their favorite team play. I think it's going to be crucial to you know get them back in the buildings. But uh, same deal globally. So I, I like where your head's at for sure. All right. What's your next platform position, Mr. President Golliver? Well, this one um, is a little bit more specific to our, our current time period. I just feel like the draft is about to happen, right? It's like two weeks away. And there's been a lot of teams that have just been totally off the map and have gotten no attention whatsoever because they weren't in the bubble. And even a lot of the bubble teams went home quite a while ago. I mean, months and months ago. So what I would like to see in the run-up to the draft is almost like a refresher. I don't know if it's a three-hour special. Maybe it has to even be longer than that. But what I want is like detailed interviews on ESPN with the GM of every single team as like a pre-draft reset type special. So in other words, uh, you know, I want the GM up there. And of course, they're going to be trying their best to not say anything controversial. But I want uh, them to be quizzed about, okay, well, who are your upcoming free agents? What do you like about your roster? What don't you like about your roster? What are some holes that you could potentially try to address in the draft? Uh, you know, just basically as a temperature check for all these teams that we really haven't heard from uh, in a long time. And, uh, you know, for me, it's like how much time have you and I spent thinking about the Chicago Bulls or the New York Knicks since March when they were eliminated or even the Minnesota Timberwolves who were right in the middle of, uh, you know, a lot of storylines before things shut down. I just feel like we all need to be reintroduced to these teams. And so I would actually do it with all 30 teams. I would have to say either your GM or your president is the representative of your team, do in, in-depth interviews with them um, and just kind of, uh, you know, get us all queued up and, and get the excitement built up right before the draft. Look, this might not be for a casual audience who's watching football and everything else, but I think for the diehards who are, you know, trying to get themselves back in the mentality of like, Hey, basketball's right around the corner. I think it could be a really fun kind of like tip-off event or, or television show. And to be honest, I would like it to continue every year. I think it would be really fun to do that heading into the draft and free agency cycle to just sort of see where teams feel like they stand. And you know, some teams change coaches, some teams change front offices. 
to just hear from those people in kind of a, you know, a, a formal type uh, setting where they're, they're talking one-on-one with an interviewer. I would love to see it. Uh, I like it for this one. I'm digging into the draft. I love this draft, by the way. I think it's a really, really fascinating draft. I would just share that with you. There are more players with just great athletic NBA bodies and more players that can shoot. And those seem to be, to me, the two most important scores uh, or things you can have. All right, so I want to institute in my net. I have have two more left. How many do we have? Am I I about to do too many? Do I have to choose one more platform piece or do I have two more left? I think you've got two left, and I've got one left. All right. I want to institute the target Elam scoring somewhere. So, oh. So I, here's – I have a theory on sports today. It's a little bit kind of to your league pass, but the world is about notifications, okay? Uh, you get these kids and ourselves, we get notified all the time of what's important. What notification <laughs> could the NBA send out to you as a fan that would make you tune into a game. So like Russell Westbrook's near triple double. I don't think so. Right. Like, like I'm, I'm done with that. Um, what like James Harden's going for 50, but what about like Lakers Clippers go into Elon score, Elon scoring first team to 95. It's 92 90. Aren't you like flipping to that game immediately? I was going to say the, the alerts and notifications that actually work on me are the close game notifications, right? Where they're like, hey, Lakers Clippers, two minutes left. You know, it's a one possession game. Like when I get those, I do look over, um, you know, or I'm more likely to tend in, they, uh, tune in. They actually get me, uh, you know, to react. So I feel like that's sort of you're in the same general ballpark there. Is it every I haven't quite figured out my platform in this. Is it overtime only? Is it? Every game that at a certain point we just add X amount of points onto the leading team. I like I like well, I, was- I like the Elon scoring though. I do think it like it eliminates some of the fouling. It speeds up the game. It's exciting. Every game has a game winner and a crescendo moment for the crowd. It's way better than what we have. I hear you. I, I'm, I'm the traditionalist in me is pushing back on it, doing it every game. I like the idea of like every regular season overtime, right? It's it's similar to like how baseball was trying to like put runners on second base to like help things go along. Um, you know, I think if you did it for overtime during regular season games, we're like ultimately how much does that period really matter? Do you ever need to see? Do you ever really need to see a two or three overtime regular season game? No, like that's. That doesn't need to happen. Save those miles. Save everybody's time there. So if you did it in overtime, you could probably convince me. If you're trying to do it, especially during playoff games or uh, anything like that, I think I would start to uh, get a little bit queasy and say, oh, come on, don't uh, don't try to fix something that's not broken. You know, these end games are still fun. I, I think I would push back there. Universal Elam scoring for all. That's our platform. <laughs> Universal Elam scoring for all. <laughs> <laughs> going big. I love it. Can I give you my last one? Yeah. And then I'll have my final one after that. Um, this is, this is like way less important. I don't know if you've been seeing the pictures of the city edition jerseys that are coming out. Yes. I have. Um, like they're, they're getting leaked and you know, it's always unfortunate when they get leaked because they don't look as good as the professional photos and all that. But I pretty much share Twitter's consensus opinion that 
a lot of them are just not good. And a lot of them, to me, what's frustrating is they're actually kind of downgrades from previous years, right? Where if the NBA is trying to come out with a New Jersey look every year, eventually they're just kind of diluting the quality of the product because that's a lot of Jersey designs, right? Especially if you're updating the, the classic home and away ones. I mean, you're just getting into, you know, you know, three designs times 30 teams, 90 new designs every year. It just, to me, it feels like you're diluting the quality. You're just stretching those designers too thin. And I think in a lot of cases, there are already better versions from teams past, right, that you can go back to. So to me, I would be cutting out the need for a new city edition jersey every single year. I would say if teams feel passionately about wanting to do one, they could. If they have one that hits like those Miami Vice jerseys, you don't need to change that. You know, you can just stick with that constantly. I would just scale back uh, scale back the volume of the different kinds of jerseys. And then in its place, I would scale up and almost do a mandatory throwback jersey, one for every team where basically, you know, you, you have to rotate in some jerseys that you used to use at least 15 years ago or older. So you could kind of just, you know, play to people's nostalgia and kind of, uh, you know, give fans a reason to buy a new jersey because it's like, hey, it's a new player coupled with, uh, you know, your favorite old design. So for me, I would be doing less of the innovating uh, and more of the, uh, you know, the, the walks down memory lane when it comes to the jerseys. I called the Vancouver Grizzlies, Memphis Grizzlies, but the uniforms were the Vancouver teal Grizz uniforms against the purple Mountain Utah Jazz jerseys last year. It was awesome. That, that, I mean, honestly, that John Morant 12 Vancouver Grizzlies jersey might be the coolest uh, jersey in the entire league, right? And again, if you compare that to whatever they're going to come up with, the city edition, there's no, there's no comparison. And, you know, part of the deal is with those, you know, we, we remember the very best and the very worst of the throwback jerseys, right? There's a whole lot of design that just could get completely forgotten by history, but that's fine. You only need to have one major hit if you're the Grizzlies to bring back and get everybody really excited about. And same deal with that, uh, the mountain purple jazz jerseys are classic. And uh, so I, you know, to me, when you're trying to ask these guys, you know, the Motor City basketball for Detroit or like City Never Sleeps mixtures, those are just terrible. Just show me a 1970s Knicks jersey. I'm going to be way happier than this new version they put out. I tell you what, the way this is going, whoever's president, the other one's going to be the vice president and the Schuler sisters <laughs> are going to show up from Hamilton because we're back into the original year of the American government where the person who lost became VP because we agree on everything. And here is my final one. I'm done with All-Star Weekend. Whoa, okay, okay. Come on now. I love All-Star Weekend. But I, we're changing the event. We might just have one event. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm willing to do some other versions of this. But every... All right, I'm not getting rid of All-Star Weekend. I'm getting rid of All-Star Game. I, I misspoke. I'm like really just like Joe Biden. Um, so... <laughs> The, Careful. the everything is bracketed and everything's a one-on-one -on -one, and instead of all-star, so if you want to have your three-point shooting contest, that's fine. We just do a bracket of eight. That's kind of how we do it anyway. If you want to do slam dunk, we just do a bracket contest and we go. But instead of the all-star game, we have a bracketed one-on-one -on -one tournament. Like... First how much how much money are you putting on for the players? Because you know you have lot. to incentivize them. Oh, absolutely. Well, I'm not gonna have a hard time having this sponsored. 
I'm going to have plenty of people out for it. And I, you know what? I mean, despite the fact that I run a small commissioner's office with limited involvement in the players, we, and claim we never run a deficit. If you actually look at our history, we actually run the largest deficits of anyone. So what's a deficit? Maybe we'll have to pay them too much that... And we'll just raise the ticket prices. It's no different than raising taxes. We're all good. So therefore, but yes, I want like a top 16 players in a one-on-one bracket, maybe to 11, something of that sort. Like, could you imagine LeBron versus Giannis in the semifinals with Anthony Davis against Kevin Durant on the other side of the bracket? I would love it. Um, I'm just so skeptical. I mean, I just feel like, guys, oh, my ankle's hurting. Are we going to get some of that? Are we going to get some of these players? Oh, you know, my my ego is going to get damaged if, if they make me do this. I don't think I can go out there and do it. I'm worried about player buying here. Yeah, but wouldn't the greatest thing ever to be known as the, like, all, like Kyrie Irving would do everything in the world to be known as the best <laughs> one-on-one player in the world. Like, that's all he wants anyway. Yeah, I feel like this should be called the Devin Booker uh, event, sure, right? I feel right. like he'd don't, go out there guns blazing as well. Don't triple Look, I love All-Star Weekend, man. I think you're you're pitching this one to the wrong audience because I, I hear where you're going, but I, for whatever reason, I think I've brainwashed myself into it. I actually even like the game. I know the game's not great that often, but I just like to see the guys on the court at the same time. I like the pomp and circumstance. I like the dunk contest. I even like the Rising Stars Challenge game, and nobody goes to that game when you're talking about media members. So... I don't know. I'm. Uh, I. That's one where I would. Uh, I would struggle if they made big cuts to All Star Weekend. It would. It would be painful. I want you all to consider when you place your vote for this election that he just said he likes the Rising Star All Star Game. Can you really <laughs> trust anyone with your leadership vote when they believe and like the Rising Star All Star Game? That's my closing. Well, line. look the. My closing argument is not only did I fix league pass, but I fixed the playoffs. Those are the two most important things for any fan. And I'm giving you prettier jerseys. What more could you possibly want America and the globe? Feel free to vote Gulliver or Locke on your new president of the NBA. We'll have little polls for you on Twitter and all the rest. Have a good day. Thanks very much for tuning in and hopefully you enjoyed today's edition of Locked On NBA.